He said he likes to say that about one out of every four, I think he said one out of every four breaths comes from a diatom. So it might be anywhere between 25 and 50%. Okay. It's hard to measure. You are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. episode of the nitty gritty we have julie lauren who is julie julie is an artist and science communicator from the real north ontario canada last year julie created a science project like, like none i'd ever seen before let me tell you it's called a tiny world it's where she shares videos of the microscopic world that we can't see with our eyes and its tiny inhabitants yes there are many little creatures in just a pile of snow or even on your deck and recently, Julie has been live streaming these videos on Twitch, and the results are incredible. She takes visitors to her feed on a whimsical journeys through snow with some light trance music in the background to find things like tardigrades, nematodes, and other small beasts unavailable to your naked eye. So if you are sometimes feeling, and I know that lately with all the stuff going on, I am, that the world can be dull or mundane or difficult, you need to listen to this interview because it just it reinforces, you know, my belief that if you just look hard enough and you look in the right places, the world can be in an incredible place. There's so much going on. So here is Julie from A Tiny World. A Tiny World, your website, right? I went on your website and I saw these crazy little things that look like a ginger root walking around <laughs> in the water. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, maybe. Okay. <laughs> did they have did, did they have legs? They have legs. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. You're probably talking about the tardigrades. Yep. Talking about tardigrade. Can you please tell people what that is and why they're so cool? Oh yeah, absolutely. They are microscopic animals. So they're also known as water bears or moss piglets. Moss um, piglet. But water bears is more <laughs> more popular. And the reason they're typically called water bears, even though they have no relation to actual bears, is because they look like little bears. Yeah. And so, yeah, they live pretty much anywhere where it's humid and you can't see them with your eyes. You have to put them under a microscope, but they're just really, really cool creatures. Um, I, the, the amazing part about the videos is that you really catch them when they're actually moving around. And I watched one where you just melted a pile of snow. You like melted a pile of snow. And you're like, okay, we're going to see what's in here. And you went in in a microscope and there's all this shit going on in there. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's pretty startling when you share with people what is actually in snow. Yeah. Because most people think, oh, it's clean if it's at the top of the, the snow pile or whatever. You shouldn't be eating snow, period, but um, it's very, uh, actually, we have a tradition in French Canada to put um, um, like maple syrup, like toffee on, on snow and, and we eat it in the wintertime or in the spring. Wow. So, um, but yeah, no, in snow, you'll find things like algae, microscopic creatures, little minerals. It's really cool. And yeah, you can find tardigrades in snow because they have kind of superpowers, actually. Oh, okay. Like what? Yeah, they... Well, they can actually survive really cold temperatures. Like they found tardigrades that were pretty much like in a, um, so the state, it's, ca it's called cryptobiosis. It's kind of like a superpower that they have. 
to um, to tolerate extreme environments and kind of um, pretty much stop their metabolism. So they've found some of these tardigrades in really cold environments that have been in cryptobiosis for like 30 years. So they're really, really unique. Um, there's other creatures that can do that, like rotifers, but tardigrades tend to, um, I call them the gateway drug. <laughs> so they, they tend to be the gateway drug to microscopic life, you know, so people find them really interesting. The one, the graphic you have on your website is a really cute version of a tardigrade. I guess as cute as yeah. it can be. Uh, I mean, have you ever looked at um, macroinvertebrates, freshwater macroinvertebrates? Uh, some, some, yes. Okay. What I think of when I see the tardigrade is I think of when I used to take kids down to these creeks. And for science class, we would go into these oxygenated pieces of water and we just turn over rocks. Like you don't need a microscope for this. And you can see like damselflies and caddisflies and all this stuff going on in the water and their minds are just completely blown. Because who would know, you know, yeah, to look the there? the cool thing, I mean, the cool thing, too, is if you have a microscope, you can see these creatures in their larva stage, right? Ooh. So I, uh, we, we've, um, on Twitch, we've uh, run across some, like, dragonfly larvae, which are terrifying <laughs> because they're, yeah. they're just don't they really eat, ugly. Don't they eat everything? Um, what's that? D dragonfly larvae, I thought, eats, they just yes. eat everything. Oh, they're just barbaric. Oh, my They'll God. They'll just, like, rip things to shreds. They're, they're really, really cool. Don't get me wrong, you know? But it's just, like, they have these, like, big eyes and short bodies and, like, these, um, I don't know what they're called because I'm not a scientist either, so. You are. But you they are, like Julie. Big... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, they're just really, really fascinating. And it captivates, like you said, it, people don't know that stuff's in there until they're exposed to it. Yeah. No, it's completely amazing. I had no idea what a tardigrade was until I saw your website. I was like, oh, shit, we have to interview this person. Um, so why why are, like, why did you get so hooked on the tardigrades? What what about, the, about them made you want to study and look at this further? Oh, man, that's, um, it's interesting because it actually should go back to why I got into the microscope in the first place, right? Because tardigrades were not something I really had set out to look for. Um, this all started when I read a book by Rob Dunn called Never Home Alone. Okay. And he's a researcher in the U.S. And uh, he wrote a book about all the microscopic creatures that live among us in our homes. And I found that so fascinating that just a few chapters into that book, I ordered a microscope on Amazon. And then I started looking at pond samples and I was like, whoa, I mean... Never mind tardigrades. You should see the kind of life that lives in your local pond. <laughs> okay. And then in the wintertime, I took some snow and I was looking at it. And that's when I found my first tardigrade. So that's how the interest in the tardigrade began was when I found my first one. Okay. And then you were like, oh my God, there's actually stuff in this, in this snow. There's well, stuff everywhere. Not just in the snow, but the fact that most... Um, resources online and most scientists will tell you that you should uh, look for tardigrades in moss or in lichen okay the thing is i found hundreds and thousands of tardigrades in cement what so i was not expecting this at all oh yeah i can go out any time of day and pick up about 40 50 tardigrades off my balcony <laughs> how, how do you how do you so, even do how do you scoop it up do you scoop up literally a piece of cement 
Uh, no. So there's a few ways. Um, the best way to actually collect tardigrades and cement is to put some water on the cement or collect rainwater or snow and put that in a Petri dish and then uh, just put it under the microscope. Oh, okay. Okay, awesome. So they're still in water, but they're just living yeah. on top of your cement on your balcony. Yeah, they're in the cement cracks. They're, uh, you know, in the grooves of, of, of the cement. And then what you do is you just put some water in there and use a, a pipette and suck it up and you'll, you'll get them that way. And naturally, when the cement dries up, because it's a hot summer day, for example, because of the tardigrade superpowers, because they roll up into a ball and protect themselves against dehydration, you can still pick them up that way when you add water on them. Oh, okay. Okay, you can still scoop them. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's how you started off, right, with this book. and this, What's the book called again? Sorry. Never Home Alone. Never Home Alone. Okay, and you started looking at the little world around you. And you, what you've gotten to is on Twitch, you stream for hours on end, and you look at snow, and you just roll around, and there's like thousands of people following you. I mean, it, I would never, ever think that there would be like a, a way to communicate science would be on Twitch. I mean, it's amazing. So this is actually a very curious story because I didn't start on Twitch. I started on Twitter. Okay. And then one day I was looking for, I'm always curious to see where people are sharing tardigrade videos. And I had noticed that there weren't many on Imager. So I uploaded a video, a very like, not even a great video of a tardigrade and it went viral to the point where it got picked up by boing boing and french media i got like international media attention i was interviewed by all sorts of people and then from there people told me to get on twitch and okay. the ironic thing is that i had just already created a twitch account and so that's where i got a massive amount of followers so that's how that started that is that is so cool. I mean, Twitch, right? I you would think of people going there to play Call of Duty, not to look at snow. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, for for sure. And the reason I had actually created the Twitch account was because I hadn't found anybody doing this. So it was really cool to be able to be, you know, one of the first people to actually stream a live tardigrade on Twitch. The, oh yeah. Okay. So what was the reaction <laughs> from from the normies who had never seen one before? Oh, absolute fascination. I mean, it is the most rewarding experience. I always tell people, if you have something to share, whether you're a scientist, even a historian, whatever it is, um, an, an art artistic talent, go on Twitch because you get all age ranges. It's not just 20-year-old dude gamers, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like I have some of my, my main followers are older folks. No, you know, how They're old? over 60. 60? Over 60 using oh, Twitch? over 60. Oh, yeah, 100%. I get older folks. And then I also get um, parents with kids. Okay. So my, my channel is very, you know, there's no F-bombs. So, <laughs> you know? Sorry. Yeah. So I, I have to do that because of the chance that there might be a five-year-old in Germany right. watching. No, you know? I totally get it. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. sorry to have you on this podcast where we, we drop the F all the time. No, no, I'm actually, I swear, like a trucker. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. You have to be really careful with your speaking. And I can well, tell. Just, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I mean, you know, if I, I could totally do like a fucking tardigrades for dudes show too. I mean, <laughs> for <could> dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I that that's that's brilliant that you get all a sixty-year-old and a five-year-old could be watching your Twitch stream of a tardigrade. Yeah, and sometimes you even get different nationalities, you know, because my mother tongue is French, and uh, one of the 
uh, you know, last streaming sessions I did, I had a couple of people from France who asked me if I could t teach them about tardigrades for a half hour in French. And so oh. naturally, I just said to my audience, do you guys mind? And they're like, <laughs> no, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I, I wonder how they're consuming it. I wonder if they're like, if they're on their TVs or do they have it on the, in the background? Like, do you know how they, is it a secondary activity? Yeah. I, it's well, so a lot of them actually tell me. Yeah. Um, some of them are people who are watching actively, so they're actually engaging with the stream. Okay. Some of them, it's funny, I've been told I have a very relaxing voice. So I have some people that are like, I'm doing my homework and I'm just listening to you because oh, you're relaxing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get that too from the podcast. And I was like, and I'm like, oh, Aww. that's that's great. You just go to sleep. Listen to us and go to sleep. That's the best way. Totally. The best compliment. Um, I, I just, uh, I think that your story is so cool because one of the things that we want people to learn by listening to this podcast and all of our episodes is that the world, if you just open your eyes a little bit, the world can be an amazing place. I mean, it could be a terrible place as we've seen this last year in a hard place, but there's amazing things going on. Like, like you've discovered in a pile of snow or you know, on concrete and, and just seeing this little water bear move around on your Twitch stream. I mean, it's incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. And uh, I, you're just doing such a great job capturing that. It's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's something that even before I was on Twitch, I was already showing videos to everybody I would run, you know, run into. So I would go to my, my florist or my pharmacist, or my dentist, yeah. or one time I had a fridge repairman come in and um, I said, oh, come here for a second. He's like, what? I said, look, look at what's going on under my, my microscope. So I set up my phone to actually show, you know, a video of what was going on. And he's like, that's under there? <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh my God, I'm buying one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's like some. It's Beautiful. like like your age group is so diverse. It's there's something, and I remember showing kids and adults these freshwater macroinvertebrates, and they're just something. Seeing something that is completely unknown and unexpected, it just hits everyone the same way. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, and also because you're not judging them, right? Like you're not judging them. You're not. You're you're giving them an opportunity to see something new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I mean, what? Okay, so you've seen tardigrades. What else have you seen under that microscope? Oh God, I mean, dozens of, maybe hundreds of different kinds of creatures. But some of my favorites, I would have to say, are mites, which Ooh. I was terrified of the first time I saw one because they're um they're pretty scary looking. They look like spiders, and so naturally we have this kind of almost human in instinct to fear spiders, but then I became very fascinated by them. So they're, they're really cool. I always look for them in, in tree lichen, especially. Mm. And then uh, things like amoebas, they're just, they're, they're magical because they just shape shift all the time. So well, those are really cool to look at. Um, an amoeba, like when I think of an amoeba, I think that uh, something very, very small. Yeah. So how yeah. zoomed in yeah. are you? Sorry? How zoomed in are you on the microscope? Um, I actually uniquely work with 4x and 10x. I never go. Um, I never go 
with any other magnification unless I'm looking at something on a slide. Okay. Uh, and the reason I do that is because I'm a bit unorthodox. I don't use slides. I use Petri dishes on a co compound scope, Whoa. which is very controversial. <laughs> yeah. But I do that because I want to see the entire living environment. I want to see... I want to see how the amoebas are, you know, making friends with or eating diatoms or whatever. Like, oh, and diatoms, by the way, yeah, yeah. are some of the coolest things in the world. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Can, can but you that's explain what they look like and what they are? I like to call them kind of like jewels. They really look like they are gems that you would find at the bottom of the lake or bottom of a pond. But essentially, guys, so diatoms are really cool because they're made out of glass. and and they're very um, uniquely shaped, and they're at the bottom of the food chain. The other thing about, that's cool about diatoms is that they supply about half the air that we breathe. What? So, yeah. So a lot of people don't know this. I mean, they supply, I think, just as much air, if not more air, than the trees. You know, then because we're we're very familiar with the fact that our the trees, the Amazon, our local fauna provides us with air. But the thing is. Things like diatoms also do. That I mean, you said fifty percent of the world's air comes from a diatom, a little glass-like yeah, so organism. I talked with a diatom specialist recently uh, okay. because I also interview scientists for a podcast, and um, I asked him that very question as well, just to confirm my information was was correct. And he said he said he likes to say that about one out of every four. I think he said one out of every four breaths comes from a diatom. So it might be anywhere between 25 and 50%. Okay. It's hard to measure, but it's still significant enough that we should make the public more aware that the local waterways are just as important to your breathing as the trees. That's amazing. Uh, that's, I had no, that's amazing. I had no idea. I mean, so these things produce oxygen or do they like photosynthesize? I don't get it. Yeah. So they're, they're a form of algae. Okay. Right. So all algae in a way provides us with air. So, um, yeah, the diatoms are, are a form of, of, of algae. Do they ever, what happens when a diatom sees a tardigrade? Do they hang out or do they eat each other? What happens? <laughs> no, because they can't see. <laughs> oh shit. <Okay>. Right. <laughs> but, um, so because they're at the bottom of the food chain, so everything will eat them naturally. Um, but the other thing is, oh, if I can remember this information, there was something about the fact that it's very hard to, for creatures to actually, um, how, how should we say, synthesize the diatom shell so its shell gets excreted. Like That's usually crab? what happens. Sorry? As if it was a hermit crab? Or no, I don't. I don't know, but essentially, it's it's pretty cool. The, okay. the other thing is the the uh, you know the earth that you can buy. Yeah. At that your local hardware store, I forget how to say this in English, but it's like Dianimus or uh, something just like soil? that. Soil, just some soil buying that. No, not soil. There's this um this product called Di Dianimus. I think I Dianimus I Earth, know. and it is made out of diatom shells, okay. and it's what you use to treat uh, your apartment or your house for cockroaches, for example. Why? So, oh, oh because it, it it's how it's how you do pest control because the diatom shells are silica. It's glass, right? Oh. So if if a tiny creature steps on a diatom shell, it will oh hurt them. oh it's it, it it really is glass. Like you were saying. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, diatoms. Yeah, if you Google the word diatom, D-I-A-T-O-M, mm -hmm. look at that uh, under Google Images, guys. It's it's the most beautiful, beautiful um, pictures you'll ever see. So it's an organism made out of glass that produces oxygen because it's yeah. al it's a is algae is an algae an animal or is that more of a plant? Like where are we on the evolutionary tree with the algae? An algae is a plant, right? Yeah, well, photosynthesizes, yeah. right? But yeah, yeah, exactly. If a diatom photosynthesizes. Wouldn't that make it more of a plant? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what we were saying earlier, is that a diatom is a plant. Okay. Yeah, it's an algae. Okay. Um, oh, that is amazing. Okay, I, I saw one on your website, uh, but I got really distracted by the nematodes because it freaks me out. <laughs> the nematodes are so cool. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, tell, tell us they about are... nematodes. Well, I, I actually don't know a whole lot about nematodes, but if you ever find one, so there's a lot of nematodes. I forget what the stat is, but essentially they're like some one of the most populous creatures on the planet. Um, but they're mostly found in soil. Um, so if you were to take a soil sample from um, one of your potted plants or outside or whatever, and you soak that in water, chances are you'll find a bunch of nematodes. And they're essentially a little warm. And what's fun about these creatures under the microscope is that they're very squiggly and they move really fast. So you can really enjoy watching them under your scope with some like, you know, trance music or something because <laughs> it really looks like a party in there. <laughs> that is so cool. Do, do you ever? Um, oh, oh, you know what I was was funny about your Twitch stream is that you can have music playing in the background. Which yeah, that was very was very relaxing. Yeah, that's new. So um, I'm actually on a hiatus right now. I took December off and part of January, but the, the, I'm always trying to improve the Twitch uh, stream and the Twitch format because the other thing is with Twitch is that you can really, it's your channel, it's your show. Okay. So you can do whatever you want with it. So sometimes I play Minecraft on there, um, but mostly it's microscopic life. You can put music, you know, and uh, I, I even did some scientist interviews on Twitch. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now this is the part of the podcast where I need to nerd out with you a little bit about your just sure. audio, audio video setup, because that was the first thing that I thought was amazing. Then I thought the tardigrades were amazing, but I was just like, how is, how is this happening? How can you have a video of a microscopic uh, organism being live streamed over Twitch? So, so what does your setup look like and how did you figure this out? Oh my God. Figuring it out. Oh, was I'm sure. So hard because nobody was doing it right yeah um later on i did meet a phd chemistry uh, student from toronto who um who was streaming from her microscope so she helped me out a little bit but at first i was using Streamlabs, and Streamlabs has a phone app and what i did is i got a phone attachment for my, my microscope and Streamlabs was okay but i had to go through the phone everything the voice everything had to go through the phone okay it wasn't until i spoke with this other streamer that she said why don't you try droid cam and mm. droid cam is really cool because it's an app that you put on the phone that converts your phone into a webcam mm. so then it was easy now it, i just all i had to do is open up obs and set up the phone to talk to droid cam through a phone app mm -hmm. that talks to the app on the computer so it's bluetooth connected uh no it's just uh it's just an app i think it's like wireless oh. or like over the air i'm not sure okay it's over the network yeah 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 okay so you yeah. it's actually on your phone the... yeah it's on my phone yeah is it is it going through a microscope 
Yes. The phone? Yes. Okay. So this is the cool part is that, you know, because I get asked a lot by people, you know, what kind of microscope should I get? Should I get a microscope camera? Because they actually, manufacturers make microscope cameras. Yeah. I always tell people, no, don't. Your phone is a better camera than any camera they could make. Amazing. So just set it up with a phone attachment. It's like a little clamp. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. So some of them, it's like an adapter for a microscope to put your phone on. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And how, for someone that just wanted to get started, because if you see Julie's videos, you're going to want to get started with this stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> what What is like a basic setup that you could get? A cheap basic setup. Well, for North Americans, I always recommend two brands. One is called Omax, O-M-A-X, and A-M Scope. And you can buy those microscopes on Amazon. Mm -hmm. For Europeans, there's a, a UK, I think they're a UK brand called Swift. Yeah. Now, those are the, the budget range microscopes. So I highly recommend if you're just brand new, just get a very simple AM scope or OMAX like monocular scope and mm -hmm. set it up with a phone attachment. Okay. And then you're good to go. Just the phone attachment, really? Okay. Yeah, because you don't need a binocular. You don't even need a binocular view if you can just look at everything on your phone. Okay. And you said that the slide, you, the microscopes you're using, you only need to go 4X or 8X? Yeah, I mean, you can see a tardigrade with 4X. So okay. you can use a stereoscope to see a, a tardigrade. Um, but I always recommend like just a compound scope that has at least maybe 10X. Okay. Okay. All right, perfect. Um, I I am getting out of a uh, tropical carnivorous plant kind of stage with projects. And then I'm, I'm think I'm going to get up the microscope and do kind of your Ooh. thing. Yeah. As Are soon you going to go on Twitch? One of the things that's hard about science education is putting out engaging content, I think. And for some reason, your stuff is just sticking with these people, like you were saying, of all age groups. Yeah. And that, I think that that yeah. phenomenon is really fascinating. It's a, um, so one of the things that has happened, has transpired from all of this is that I'm really knee deep into the science communication community now. And I'm actually working on a, on a project to, to, to get into the, this world even more. But, um, the thing is that a lot of science communication, especially when it comes to the general public misses the mark, um, because, uh, the, the training is there now. I don't know if you're aware of like what the science communication community is like, but there's a lot more training for scientists, you know, as to how to, how to communicate their research, how to communicate to other scientists. But now we have to take it a step further and we have to like train people to translate scientific information to the general public, because that's a whole other mm -hmm. thing. Absolutely. And that means, and that means going on Twitch. That means going on TikTok. Um, there's a really cool, I think she's a plant like pathologist, um, she's got an account on TikTok and she's just, just amazing. So, you know, there's a few of us doing science communication in different channels, but it's really much, very much at its um, infancy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's why, I mean, your, your stuff was so unique when we saw it. It was amazing. Well, I just have a few more questions for you before we let sure. you go. Um, what is a copepod? <laughs> Yeah, so the, uh, commonly ca called a cyclops. 
So they're, I believe they're a member of the, the crustacean family, but they are, um, they're really cool. And yet they are also considered a pest creature. Mm. So if you go into your local pond, you'll definitely find a copepod. They're everywhere mm -hmm. and they will eat anything and everything. I have some in a jar from last year. Yeah. Like a, a colony of copepods that are still alive because they'll just, they'll just eat anything. Okay. Okay. Just like a dragonfly larva. Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> are tardigrades just as vicious or they're not really? No, they're 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 very sweet. Um, there are very few species of tardigrades that are carnivorous. The only time they'll eat other tardigrades usually is when they don't have any other uh, available food source. Um, but I did film at one point, and I'm, I'm going to put this on YouTube soon, but a video of a copepod or a cyclops eating a tardigrade uh, that mm. was captured live on Twitch. It was a magical moment in, in a very <laughs> grim way. <laughs> it was just so cool to watch. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Reddit feed, Nature is Metal? Oh, yeah, of course. That's the best. <laughs> I, love, I love Reddit in general. Yeah, Reddit, Reddit is a great place. Um, so I, when I've been looking on your stuff, your Twitter, your website, it looks like you, you have a background as an artist. And... In your videos, I can kind of see that coming out. And a lot of people or a lot of kids, when they're learning, they take basically one of those things as their identity. So they'll say, I am the artist or like I am the football player or I am the scientist and up through high school. And they stick with that. But what I think is really cool is that you've managed to blend the art and the science together. And can you can you share some of your process and how you got to this point and how you've meshed those two things? Oh my God, I feel like I've lived four different lives. Okay. okay, so I'm about to turn 44. So it gives you an idea um, of how long I've been around. But um, I actually, what's interesting, what's most interesting actually, is that I never completed my post-secondary education. So technically on paper, I still have a high school education. Mm -hmm. And I have been working in the computer world my whole life. I've been uh, you know, a software manager for 25 years. I have been a full-time artist as a fine art photographer. Mm -hmm. I also lived in Montreal for a while, did some um, theater there, uh, worked in the film industry. And and then, you know, uh, in the past two years, I've been doing science communication. So I know exactly what you mean. Like a lot of people follow this one path. Mm -hmm. But then there are other people who, like myself, are just perpetually curious. And I think I am a curious human being. That's it. That's my identity. That's what I go with. So if five years down the road, I might become a woodworker yeah, or I might get an interest in plumbing. I don't know what's next, but I always follow um, my curiosities as far as they go. There's a, a quote in French by a, a Belgian singer, Jacques Brel, that says, Quand on a envie de faire un truc, il faut foncer comme un fou et le faire. And that translates to when you have a desire to do something, you have to do it. And, 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 and do it and, and go as far as you possibly can. And that's how I live my life. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I'm Noah and I are the exact same way. I mean, we can't, we couldn't sit still in school, we basically failed out of it. And now that we're adults, I mean, there's, we pretty much just do what's interesting to us. And I know it's kind of weird to some other people, but, uh, that's, I guess that's the only way to live for us and you as well. And I love your podcast. I think what you guys are doing is just so much fun and it's casual, you know, like it's, it, it's been, it's been fun listening to what you do. 
Great. I mean, we, we, we're trying to make it fun. We're trying to make it, make it fun and accessible. And honestly, our model for the podcast is more of a sports podcast, but to be about science. So if, if we can make it that entertaining, but about science, I think we've won. So we're trying to get there. Well, I, th- I think you're doing a great job. Oh, perfect. All right. We always need that positive feedback because sometimes getting up in the morning to, to bang out some outlines can be tough, as I'm sure you're aware. I, I'm just curious if, if I can ask you this while your listeners are listening. Um, why did you call it Dude Nature? Yeah. Uh, we were on a backpacking trip in Oregon and Noah and I have done a few podcasts together before. Um, <clears throat> some that were not as fun. We did some financial planning podcasts and some Amazon podcasts. And we really wanted to do one where our interests lie. And I was like, what are we going to call it? And Noah's like, just like dude nature. So it's like, dude, you look at that tree or something. Dude, look at that tardigrade. And that's just why we named it. I don't know. I love it. I yeah. love it. I, I totally, totally want a dude nature Twitch live stream. Oh, just saying. okay. It might, I, it might happen. I don't know. I'll, I'll bring you some dudes. Oh, you're going to have to send us a bunch of the, like the equipment you're using. That is, it just looks so intimidating. I can't believe it, it's truly a feat of nature to be able to do that with all the audio and video as well. It looks You know insane. what? It looks complicated. I'm telling you right now, and I'm telling this to anybody else who's listening who wants to do it. It is easy peasy. Okay. I swear to God, as long as DroidCam is still around, I think anybody can do this. Oh, DroidCam. You're really hot on DroidCam. I am. I should actually ask them for a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but before we let you go, is there what is um um is it what is a book that you would recommend uh for anyone? I know that you mentioned the book about the microscopic world, but what is a really cool book that you've read in the last year about anything? Oh man, this is a this is you had to ask the toughest question yeah, on sorry. the planet. It's really hard because I read a lot of books and some are, are very, very industry specific. Look, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to go with something very cliche here. I'm going to say The Purple Cow. Okay. And the reason why why I'm going to say it is because, yes, it's a marketing book. Ooh, yes, yeah. it's whatever. But it is, it'll help you identify the fact that you can be an individual in this world. You can actually go ahead and be yourself and and whatever it is that you choose to do, you can um, you can roll that way. You don't have to to do what your parents want you to do or what you know what's what's expected of you. You can just be multifaceted if you want. That's awesome. Okay, it's Seth Godin's book, right? Yes, correct. Okay, Julia, where can people find you? Where are all your cool videos? I know you're on a bunch of different platforms, but where can we go to see you and what you do? Yeah, my main my main ones, I'm going to say a tinyworld.org. So that's where you can find all the microscopic stuff. And I do a science podcast. I interview, well, I, it's actually an arts and science. I interview, you know, people like the White Walker from Game of Thrones. And Whoa. I also interview scientists. So it's arts and science. That's planetb612.fm. And of course, Planet B612 is a nod to the asteroid that the Little Prince lived on in the book, The Little Prince. Oh, never read it, but it's on my bookshelf. Oh, okay. Then I, I, I command you to read The Little Prince. <laughs> okay, well. All right, Julie, <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so, so much, Chris.